Episode 42. 42. Cameron, what's up? What's up, Marley? Dude, 42. The answer to the life, the universe, and everything. Kind of incredible that we've been doing this for so long. But for this very special episode, we're also joined by Tommy from You Dive Deep. Tommy, how are you doing today? You know, I did not know this was going to be number 42. If I did, I would be, oh, I think I would be way more nervous heading into it. Everyone knows 42 is like the milestone for every single podcast. Like everyone's like, some people celebrate the 100th episode or 50th episode, but everyone in the real podcast game knows it's 42. That's the one <laughs> that everyone pays attention to. So I, I, I have to uh, live up to that high standard now. According to Hitchhiker's Guide, 42 is the meaning of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So have you seen Hitchhiker's Guide? I actually read the book, too. Yeah. The book is so much better than the movie, but the movie is still really solid. So. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. But yeah, 42, the answer, the life, the universe and everything. So get ready, everyone. This episode's going to rock your socks off. Yep. Yeah. How's everyone been doing like for the past week? Cameron, I know you told me you got vaccinated. Yeah, I got vaxxed. That was was a good feeling. Yeah. Temporary. I mean, sort of, you know. It, not not you're, the you're needle going in my like, arm. Uh, yeah, yeah. Have, that was just, uh, I think, being in the sun all day. I came back and had tacos grilled with my roommates. No, uh, mm-hmm. I just got a sore arm for the next couple of days. Okay, not really looking forward to the second dose. I heard like my brother had that same one. It's like that one, like he got completely knocked out on the second yeah. dose. So just prepare, like just take a few days off. So, but I've been listening yeah. to a lot of Tenacious D. They're just like the band I go to right now when I wake up. I want to listen to The Rise of the Phoenix. <laughs> That's what have you guys been listening to? Me personally, I've been listening to a lot of Jungle. They're like a weird, like they sound like they're from like the 70s funk band. From it, They're dope. They're like disco funk. They're really, really awesome. But I've also been listening to a whole ton of it's a band called Krungbin. Like literally Krungbin. everyone I talk to. I always bring up Krungman. We could literally be talking about anything like, oh, yo, what's your favorite jelly flavor? And I'll, I'll be talking about it and then I'll randomly bring Krungman into it. So I've been advocating them heavily. So, yo, if anyone wants to hear some uh, good music, check out Krungman. They're like an instrumental band. So it's like it's like a perfect like music to play when you just want to vibe and stuff like that. So they're pretty dope. Oh, is that that their albums were Con Total El Mundo? Oh, yep. That's right. actually one of my favorite albums. Right. Yep. My, they, got, my... uh, they got total bangers on that one. They uh, Another one of my favorite albums they have is called uh, Universe Smiles Upon You. So those two albums are Krungbin. like. Yeah, Krungbin. Yeah. It, it's um, spelled weird. It's like K-H-R-U-A-N-G-B-I-N. It means like airplane, essentially, in Thai. So it's it's pretty dope. Uh, and roommate. the funny thing is they're actually a band from Houston, USA. Yeah. So it's, it's funny. Uh, my roommate used to play that uh, album all the time. Bangers. Really <laughs> uh, vibey tunes. I haven't really been listening to much, like, like very many bands lately. Like, I've really been in, like, a podcasting mood. Like, listening to, like, just a bunch of, like, podcasts, like Ear Biscuits, and just, like, just, like, just stuff here and there. Hmm. Like, it's kind of weird, like, the way Spotify is, like, structured. Like, if you start listening to a lot of podcasts, like, the Spotify homepage will start recommending more podcasts than actual music. So it's a little frustrating because 
like if I do want to listen to a band, it's kind of hidden for me. But but like when I do listen to music, I kind of listen to like my traditional like bands like Walk the Moon. I kind of always keep going back to them. And uh, and yeah, listening to a little bit of Jimi Hendrix, too, based on like that WandaVision, the, the song he had to, that they had at the end of WandaVision. Mm-hmm. So kind of been diving deep into uh, stuff like that. No I pun mean, intended, no. Tommy. What album did you listen to? <laughs> uh, just I can't I can't think of any albums off the top of my head just because I just played like the recommended songs on Spotify. But oh. I keep going back to that WandaVision song because it's such like a it's such a banger. What's it called again? Shoot. <laughs> I'm going <gonna say> forget. <laughs> Voodoo Child, man. Yeah, Voodoo Child. Yeah. That's like his signature song mm-hmm. for me. Right. When when I got good enough to learn Jimi Hendrix songs, the first two songs I wanted to learn were Voodoo Child and Little Wing. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. That's he dope. did it. His use of uh, triads, man. Mm-hmm. Moving in between uh, melody and chords. I'm going to sound like an idiot right here. What are triads? So is it just, uh, it just makes chords? up a chord, three different notes that make up a chord. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm so I'm so music illiterate. So, but I mean, like, I'm really, not that far from you, Marley. <laughs> it's really like, you and I were essentially on the same level, right? Well, you could you still play ukulele like like that's, crazy. Dude, that's like a that's I don't count that as a real instrument though. That that was like a fallback instrument. It's still it's, well, you still said. So what was your first there. instrument? I am a first generation in Korean, so like all those stereotypes with Asians mostly probably actually do apply to me. And so, like, the stereotype of, like, Asians typically playing, like, piano and violin and stuff like that, you're not very far off from the truth. My mom played the piano uh, when she was little, and she tried to teach me, but I was just too dumb to figure it out, and I just was not interested. And they uh, signed me up for orchestra when I was in elementary school and middle school, so I did actually played the violin for, like, five, six years, but, like, at an elementary level. So when I tell people, oh, yeah, yeah, I played for blah, blah, blah. They're like, oh, man, you must. Have, no. I was like, no, 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 no. I mean, like elementary school level, like after that, nothing. So I don't really know how to play the violin. Like if I pick one up, I'll probably be able to, you know, hold it and have the right stance or whatever. But when it comes to playing anything, I can't. And I actually I don't know if I told this story to you, Marley, but I I'm sure everyone here is aware of the game called Guitar Hero, right? Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, when X or it wasn't just Xbox, but when they came out with the game called Guitar Smith. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that was the one where you could like plug in a real guitar into your Xbox or that's mm-hmm. or PlayStation. I'm sure they had it for PlayStation, too. But I had an Xbox at the time and I was like, oh, sweet. Like, I love playing guitar here. So let me actually learn how to play guitar as a video game because I love video games. There's nothing that could go wrong. And then I realized that when I was playing Guitar Smith, they didn't really teach you how to play the guitar. They just taught you how to play songs. So yeah. like it got to a point I was like, hey, guys. Oh, let's listen to this riff of Sweet Child of Mine. Oh, sweet. Yo, let's have a jam session here. Can you start on the G chord? I'll be like, oh, sorry, bro. I don't know any chords. I only know how to play songs. And I didn't like that. So then I traded my guitar in at Guitar Center. And then they do the thing that GameStop does. Like, oh, yo, I just bought this. No, all right. I'll give you like 20% of what you paid for, kind of. And when I traded my guitar back in, they're like, yo, we'll give you like, you know, 80 bucks for it. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, you know, I can't complain about it. And so I walked around Guitar Center with 80 bucks in my hand because I I forced myself going in. I was like, if I trade this in, like I'm going to find another instrument to play. So I was thinking like mandolin, something else, just something where I could try to play something maybe easier. And the only thing in my price range was the ukulele. So I, then I purchased the ukulele, came home and I was like, yo, it's smaller. There's only four strings. There's nothing that could go wrong. And Boy, like in like two How long weeks. Ago was that? that was my sophomore year of college. 
So that was like 2012. So it's been almost like 10 years. Okay, damn. Yeah. So it's almost been 10 years. And so I've strictly played the ukulele for about 10 years, but more seriously, like not all 10 years, like so you, closer to like five. So years. you definitely have a better understanding of it now. You definitely know. Oh, your, yeah, your yeah, chords, yeah. Like right? I, 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 I've toured and... around the East Coast, not like a real tour, but I used to play like a bunch of little gigs and stuff like that and whatnot, just with the ukulele, like more as like a, it, I did like a comedy slash musical routine kind of thing. So it was more like casual. So whenever I say gigs, everyone's like, yo, did you ever open up for anyone? I was like, <laughs> I don't think you understand to the extent of what my gigs were, but no. So I, I, I performed a lot and played a lot of places. So so, yeah, but when it comes effort, to like though. actually understanding music, I'm like, I hope you guys don't think I come from a musical background because I literally don't know anything. <laughs> I think that's that's really interesting that you brought up like Guitar Hero because everyone like like kind of like make fun of Guitar Hero now. Like, oh, look at all those plastic instruments. But if you look back, like the people that first started playing Guitar Hero, like now, like they're actually like they're not all of them, but a lot of them are like actually playing like real instruments or even like ukuleles it's just like it Mm -hmm. i think it's that one video game that like has like encouraged like actual like not saying that like playing video games is bad obviously but it's it's super interesting that it can inspire like you to go into a whole new medium when it first came out it was like revolutionary and i don't mean that to like sound dramatic but no at the time like I know now people probably make fun of Guitar Hero Rock Band and blah, blah, blah. But back at the back in the days when it was just Guitar Hero, dude, it was the coolest thing. Like I remember when the first kid in my neighborhood got it, everyone would go to their house. We would all try to play and then we would get Big Brother in because we couldn't beat a couple of songs. I know a lot of the songs that people bring up now is like that Dragon Four songs, they're Fire and Flame. So I mean like way before that, there was a song called Jordan that I could not beat to save my life in the original Guitar Hero games. And like, it was just so cool. But like you said, a lot of the kids in that generation, I'm not saying a lot of them know how to play the guitar or anything, but I feel like that definitely influenced them. Like the ones that got like obsessed with it, like me. I'm like, oh man, I really want to, like, I can't play the guitar. There's no way I could do this. And then that's why when Guitar Smith came out, it was, I almost looked at that as like the bridge. I was like, oh man, this is, I'm I'm assuming this is like Guitar Hero, but instead of having a plastic guitar, I get to use a real guitar as my controller. And so I think that's kind of what eventually sparked to like this weird thing that I do with the ukulele now. (laughs) Right. You've been posting like, like TikToks like every day, right? Like pretty much. Yeah, I've been trying to do a challenge to uh, post that, not necessarily just to like try to get the podcast name out there or try to get pod- or like TikTok followers or whatever. It's more to keep myself dependent because because I do that, I'm forcing myself to learn newer and newer songs. And if you look at like the TikTok songs I have now, most of it is like comedic or something like that. Mm-hmm. And so I am keep trying to push myself because anytime I, I tell people, oh, yeah, I kind of play the ukulele. They always laugh and they're like, oh, like here, play somewhere over the rainbow for me and I'm yours. And I'm always like, yo, those are dope songs. But like just view the ukulele like any other instrument. It doesn't have to be like that meme Hawaiian instrument, which is, it's a beautiful instrument. Don't get me wrong. And so that's why I like to play those weird, silly songs to be like, yo, look, look, you can play these other songs too kind of thing. And so that's what TikTok has been pushing me to do. And I'm trying to learn newer and newer songs that are still funny and something that will just like people on TikTok would actually care about. Because, you know, you only got like, what, four seconds to draw them in. And then from there, if you're just like trying to sing or trying to do something like dramatic with the ukulele, I feel like I would just fail astronomically there. You you totally threw me off like during like when you were on the the 24 hour podcast that we did when I was like, OK, this guy's going to come in and play ukulele because I think that was the first time that I ever heard you play. 
and then you're on at the halfway point. Yeah, it was, yeah. There's some guy just coming on playing like his ukulele, and then you start singing Colt 45. I'm like, that's so great. <laughs> Bro, in my defense, I was literally like, yo, is this like not safe for work? And I know you're bragging. You're like, oh, dude, it was not safe for work from this. Blah, blah. I was like, all right, because uh, I asked and now I'm going to play this song. <laughs> it yeah. doesn't get any more not safe for work or beyond PG-13 than that song. Like, I wanted to start with a bang. What's the most yeah. challenging song you've learned on ukulele? Oh, that's a great question. I think uh, the hardest songs for me are songs that I try like like just most recently. And it, it isn't the hardest song I've learned, but it's trying to take songs because I'm not a good singer by any stretch of the imagination. So whenever I hear a song and you as a musician, I'm sure can articulate it a, a lot better than I can. But anytime I hear a song I like on the radio or whatever, and I try to translate that over to the ukulele like all the, um, you know, I have to make sure it's in my range, in my mm-hmm. vocal range. I mean, right. and so I have you to kind of transcribe key. all the different uh, chord patterns, bring it down an octave, or blah 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 right. blah. And so whenever I listen to songs, it, I just have it, it. takes me a lot longer than it should to kind of transcribe it to where I want to. So one of the recent songs I just did learn was Thrift Shop. Obviously, everyone knows that song. Mm-hmm. And so this song is one where, like, there's obviously that one chorus, and then there's a little bit of rapping. Well. No one really wants to hear me attempt to rap because I could barely sing as it is. So it's almost trying to find songs that people know, but because it's played on a ukulele, it sounds really differently. But I try to continue that and use that to my advantage. So when I rendition, they're like, oh, wow, like I know what song that was, but it sounded so different because you put your own spin to it, which is that's kind of like the fun part. That's why people do covers. Like (laughs) if I played it exactly how Macklemore or if I played somewhere over the rainbow, exactly like how it was written, like what's the point? Just listen to the song. So I always try to put a twist or something where it sounds a little bit different. And so it's it's songs that are more contemporary because right around now and I don't want to be like an old guy, you know, shaking my fist in there saying, Oh, all the music nowadays sound the same, but a lot of it is a heavily influenced like electronica EDM type of music, which is fine. But when it comes to translating that into chords acoustically, I struggle really, really hard there. So that's where like, um, like even a uh, Billie Eilish, like I try to learn her song, bad guy. And to try to wrap my brain around how to make that song into a ukulele song was difficult because I'm not, that musically ta- like if I feel like if I was as talented start? as you Cameron that would be awesome because well, then my brain would be like do this and that <laughs> I mean thank you I'm flattered but it's really you know I don't think music theory is as difficult as everyone says it is because it's really just seven notes right you know plus the, it's like 12 notes am I wrong I don't know but basically it's like just a dozen notes repeated over and over again in a revolving circle going higher in pitch Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so if that's all it is. You know, all you got to do is just understand those 12 notes. Um, no, I completely agree with that. But it's also like I am very toned. Like if someone were like, oh, oh, what, 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 uh, you know, what, what chord is this? And I'd be like, dude, I have no idea. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. I mean, the only chords I can recognize are like minor blues chords. You know, if Jimi Hendrix started mm-hmm, playing, mm-hmm. yeah, I know all the E flat minor chords, but like my ears, you know, very strange. I'm more of a visual learner. And, you know, if I see somebody play it, I know that chord shape, you know, I could oh, recognize nice, and yeah. then and then I could articulate and then I could piece together my knowledge theory and then I could understand the progression 
I mean, how do you how do you begin learning your own cover? Do you go straight to like an ultimate tab or you look up the chords and then do you transcribe or are you just straight up trying to use your ear and trying to figure out the progression that way? It's it's kind of actually a mix of both. I don't want to lie. Be like, oh, yeah, I just only use my ear. But I usually never, ever attempt any song I don't know to begin with, because I at that point, it's like trying to teach myself foreign language. If I don't even know how the song goes, how can I? try to figure out how to play it if that makes sense so it has that's why a lot of the covers that i do tend to be a lot older or songs that i listened to when i was right. like in middle school high school and that's why if you're like look at the random covers that i always play to make people laugh it's always those older songs and so if it's songs that i hear on the radio now or something catchy where i'm like oh wait i know this song i know this song but i don't know how to play something you can then like I said, it's not a joke when I said at the top of the show or I think in production where I was like, yo, I'm always like an arm's length away from ukulele because I teach ukulele classes now and I do all this different kind of stuff around the community. So I just have a bunch of ukulele. So I always put one in like every part of the house <laughs> and even, like I have one in the trunk of my car. I have one like it's That's so nice. funny because I always have a ukulele You're somewhere. always prepared. So, <laughs> right right you never know when you're gonna like, be inspired by a jam <laughs> you're halfway around the world and you're like iron man you're like i need a i need a ukulele and it shoots out of a satellite and comes directly at your feet and you just pull out this big metal capsule and there's a ukulele not inside. even i i would like to think even funnier to think about is like no matter where i am in the world it could just be in like a cave in kuwait I'll walk over by a boulder and be like, don't worry, guys, I have a ukulele right here. And there's like, it's like a fake boulder. I open it up and there's like a stash of ukuleles. But don't worry. And be like, yo, when did you set this? I like, dude, all around the world. I just traveled and geotagged everywhere. <laughs> Damn. Did you travel all around the world? Like, I can't think of that rap song right now. Like, like the, the Red Hot Chili Pepper song from yeah, California. Yeah, 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 yeah. 1999. Yeah, 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 that one. <laughs> California. Or, like, yeah, yeah, sure. The musical genius said that, so I'll go with it. Or Daft right. Punk's Around the World. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I love or, that Daft Punk song. Daft yeah. Punk's so good. Yeah. Daft Punk is nice. Yeah, Daft Punk is... I don't think they actually split up. Like, do you guys think Daft Punk split up? or? Yeah, I think they're done. Well, not split. I think they just retired. Like they they've done everything they needed to do in the game, right? Like mm-hmm. they kind of torched their own trail and inspired a lot of others. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they they've done what they need to do. No matter what they do moving forward, wouldn't change anything. So I would just look back and be like, you know what? It was good. I influenced a whole wave of music, and I'm just gonna drop the mic and just you know right off to the sunset. Well, Enjoy I think it, yeah. when. I think when artists say that they're going to split up or like bands specifically say they're going to split up, it's more like they're just saying, hey, we're going to have a break because like that's happened in the past, like with the Black Eyed Peas, like they broke up and then they went. Well, I don't really think that they really came back because I don't really listen to them anymore recently. But I just think like bands need a break. Like, you can't be creating content like like this like all the time it's like a hiatus but retiring doesn't mean you're done forever it's just mm-hmm. mean you're retiring at the moment because it feels right you know it's a lot like jordan athletes these days and yeah like jordan they retire in the moment because it's right in the moment it does they're not ruling out that they're gonna be you never play in uh professional sports or never play with this band again it's just that moment it felt right you know mm-hmm. Foo fighters took a hiatus a while back, but they just called it a hiatus. They're like, don't worry, guys, we're going to be back because they knew they were going to come back. But bands like, you know, I don't know. I can't even think of anything on the top of my head. But uh, yeah, Daft Punk, there you go. 
I think something with Daft Punk I could totally see is like whenever Tron 2 comes out because they had such a good soundtrack for regular, like the first Tron movie where Daft Punk obviously was a big player in kind of composing all the music. Like whenever Tron 2 comes out, I wouldn't be surprised whenever that would be with Daft Punk collabing mm-hmm. with them to make like well, a specific that, song. Maybe they can be like a Trent Reznor because Trent Reznor of the Nine Inch Nails, like like they hardly make any albums, but he composes like movies like all the time and probably some of my favorite like movie scores like the social network was like such a really good one it's kind of like a lot of the same like bleeps and bleeps but still it's like he's still he's still working so yeah just because like they're not making albums like every single day like they're still working on on something so because i i feel like when you're an artist you have to constantly be creating like if it's like like for me if, if i'm not creating this podcast and i'm like working on my t- photography or, or like working on a video or something like that. Like it's like, I constantly have to be creating and like that. So, you know, on the contrary though, I like time off mm-hmm. because I come back. I feel like even hungrier, you know, cause I haven't let loose in however long and I come back and it feels fresh and I'm not exhausted mm-hmm. creatively. You let your creativity build. Yeah. Or, you know, take a chill, take a, take a little break. Mm-hmm. You know, play a video game for uh, one day straight. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'll come back and then, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's what makes like the, I don't know, like Tommy, you mentioned like earlier in the show, like that's why it also helps like creating like goals for yourself. Like you're creating like that TikTok goal, like a, like one every day, like having like something consistent. Like I feel like that also helps with like uh, your creative side too. So no, you make a good point. Uh, definitely what Cameron said. I feel like whenever I do take a break, I come back and I guess hungry is a great way. But for me, I'm just like, oh, man, like anytime I make a podcast or play the ukulele or do anything creative like that, I have fun. But if I just take a break from it and come back, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is I, I forgot yeah. how much fun this was. This is great. And there are times, especially when I put myself and give myself a schedule like with the TikTok, do try to do one uh, each day. And for my podcast, I was re- releasing once a week for season one. And so I had to stay on top of that. But it's when you take these little breaks and come back, it's like that creative force kind of built up. You're like, oh, man, now I want to do this and that and this. Whereas when you're kind of in that grind, I it's not that I burn out. It's just like it's not it's not even that I lose interest too. It's like I just get used to how fun it is where it's almost like that grind now and so now whenever i get to go back to it's great but kind of like what you said marley it's also good that i give myself the schedule because i also know i tend to get really lazy even when it comes to playing the ukulele when it comes to trying to learn new music i'm like no i know how to play these songs so let me continue to work on my cover of those or maybe i'll make it sound a little bit different here rather than just completely diving in on a song i don't know how to play kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah you don't just play the ukulele. You also mentioned like, like your podcast. Like, so let's dive a little bit deep on like what you do there. No pun intended. Oh yeah. So, so right now <laughs> I'm on. <laughs> <laughs> like I am on a season break right now and I was actually supposed to return for season two earlier, but I've had a lot of technical difficulties with like the machines that I was using, the backups I had and long story short, I, it took like a huge hit. So it's coming out a little bit later than I anticipated, but for the most part, my podcast just kind of covers each episode. We just talk about some type of deep philosophical question and every single week is a new question. I have a new guest and the question is always catered to my guests. A lot of the 
guests that I've had so far, like lifelong friends and things like that. And so for me, it's almost like an audio diary of just recording really dope questions that I could listen back to. Some of the questions that we've already discussed is things like, how do you define weakness or... Uh, what is fear? I think that was the uh, season one ender finale, whatever you want to call it. And so I, like it has that one question. We dive in deeper and deeper on what the essence of what each question holds, even though at the surface it seems easy. And it's just, it's honestly just an excuse to have really cool conversations with people and recording and cool. then calling that a podcast. That sounds cool to me. I wonder, like, it has me itching my brain. I wonder what kind of question I would ask you. Right. right? Like you would have to, that's the fun part too like you you like get to meet up with some people that you want to have on your show but it's not as easy as all right here's the date let's meet it's more of all right now let's actually kind of talk behind the scenes and be like yo what is something you're really passionate about or something that has you've been thinking about recently and that's like the perfect time to have it because it's not like you're like oh i'm not an expert in blah 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 i mean no one is an expert mm-hmm. on these questions that's why it's so fun to dive deep in do you guys think that the artist has a responsibility to censor themselves that's a big question. I think about Ooh, that's a great one. Marley, what's your answer to that one? I actually like it when artists are like free and open, to be honest. Like I like it when artists are uncensored, like especially creatively, because I know like I'm like I'm basically diving deep into their brain. Like it's uh, like I'm I'm getting like everything from from this artist. Like if they're censored or if like a studio is like telling them to write a song like a certain way or like cut a film like this way, then I feel like I'm getting like, what if they come out with something and everyone just goes crazy on social media and just, you know, calling them to change the line hashtag or something like that. Rather, you know, it's not like a studio thing. It's like a society thing, you know, Well, that kind of goes into like the whole Snyder cut, like what you're talking about there, Cameron, where it's like, it's almost, it's not even like the, the artist's creation anymore. It's like what the fans called the fans called for it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a very positive thing. Yes. On the other side of the spectrum mm -hmm. for sure. But did Zack Snyder have, yeah, I mean, he got to fucking make that fully uncensored. Right. Right. Batman Uh, said the F word, dude. Really? I still haven't seen it yet. So. Oh, you haven't seen it yet? No. <laughs> Spoilers. Yo, that it's like twenty hours long. There's no way I have seen that yet. <laughs> it was right. uh, quite the experience to watch. I had to take a break midway through for sure. Right. But I'm very happy Zack Snyder got to do it uncensored. Well, uncensored sounds a little derogatory for a movie. Mm-hmm. Uncut. But for Directors like, cut. but for like <laughs> music and very, uh, I don't know, motivational people or, or, or influential people, you know, uh, a lot of people would, would suggest have, have suggested to me that they burden a responsibility because they're role model to so many people. And, and, you know, I mean, Tyler, the creator just, you know, got arrested however long ago for, you know, inducing a riot at a concert. Is he responsible for that? You know, kind of a thing. Does he deserve to? Um, I don't know. Should he be restricted, or, and and should he be considering that as a factor when he's making his art? Well, I, I think the scenario you brought up there is kind of like it's it's kind of tricky, just because I think separating the artist from from the person is like I, I try and follow it as much as I can. But Tyler the Creator, like in that moment, like he was performing. So he is the artist. So it's 
I never want anyone to incite violence on anything. So it's like, that's kind of like a like slippery slope for me. But also, I don't know, he could have been in the moment too. Because when you perform live, like Cameron, you you perform live and Tommy, you, you said yeah. you, you did too. Like you get in the moment. So maybe it's like he was on something like on stage and just like t- totally just forgot where he was because it was like he was in a trance. So you see, you know what I mean? I don't know, man. His music's pretty hyped. I don't blame him. Um, I like this question specifically because for me, with with a lot of the answers I give, it's not always like gung-ho one side. This is the answer kind of thing. I definitely don't think that the artist should be censored. And But you're also asking like a double-pronged question. Like, should they be responsible for mm. censoring themselves? Well, no, because I understand when they go through a record label, of course they're going to be censored because you're now representing the brand and the brand wants to tell you what to do so they can make the most amount of money. That's a different kind of topic. But in the censoring in the frame of like uh, inciting violence or blah, 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 I'm a very big believer in the, you know, every you have, there's consequences to your actions. So it depends what you're trying to say you're being quote unquote censored on. If someone's saying, oh, all they do is sing about drug use and having sex and blah, blah, blah. And I don't want my daughter or son to hear it. No, I mean, they're they're They have the Internet in their hands, regardless if someone sings about something that they shouldn't hear about, they're going to figure it out eventually. So I feel like trying to get, quote unquote, someone canceled because you just don't like it. That's not cool. But at the same time, if I create a song where I'm screaming like, yo, the Holocaust was a great thing. Sandy Hook didn't really happen. Blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah. And then someone's like, what the fuck is it? Like, oh, no, I was just singing. Like, there shouldn't be any consequences to what I said just because you believe like that's not also OK. So it's kind of that gray area of I can't always be like, oh, this is the black and white rules. This is what you should do. But it's kind of very similar to I definitely feel for the artists, like actual musical artists, not me who just do covers, but musical artists that really want to put their souls and say a message, but so afraid of how society will handle it because it might be too dark or uh, inappropriate or funny or like even they're using their humor and we're aware blah blah but then there's also a difference in literally trying to incite violence and then coming back saying oh it's just because you interpreted it that way but if the lyrics are actually kind of forcing that issue and then saying no i take absolutely no responsibility for it then that for me at least this is just a long-winded way of saying then that i probably would not agree on I told you to jump the fence and, you know, set cars on fire, but I really meant liberate your inside uh, internal. Surprise Pikachu meme. Like I'm not saying Tyler creator said it, but like if he was hyping people like, yeah, like fuck everything. We should beat up, blah, blah, blah. And then actually started a fight and be like, dude, what? Well, I didn't, I didn't actually mean that. Even though I was screaming it and telling people and cheering people on when they're doing it, it's not my fault that I'm like, okay. Our, oh, oh, okay. Now you're getting, you think you have a get out of free jail card because you're someone who sings music and stuff. Like, that's not cool. But what about like an artist like Lil Nas X? Like, he just released like Call Me By Your Name song where everyone was outraged over his lap dance that like that he gave like the devil and it's like it's like promoting like Satanism and, and stuff like that. Like, like, do you support like an artist like that? That's kind of that's that doesn't sound too bad. Actually, I got to check that out. I uh, 100% yeah. support him. Abs- yeah. Absolutely. 100%. So here is here. I'm going to be real hot takey tonight because I just mm-hmm. don't care. No, it's so, fine. Go ahead. <laughs> so he is getting a- 
absolutely crapped on because people are saying, oh, this could be connected to Satanism. This is so inappropriate. Like you're a guy and you're giving blah, blah, blah. Okay. So you feel like the way that he's trying to express himself in this meaning, because it's very, very um, subjective on how you kind of interpret it. Cause there's so many different ways you can go about it, but it's also really, really powerful because of the message he put out there, leaving himself vulnerable because he knew there was going to be backlash anyway. And so now this is the hot takey part. So now you're telling me, and this is me being completely ignorant to this. So I apologize if I offend either of you. There are some of these like mega churches and some of the things that these people say, and they're literally like people look up to them in, in like cults kind of thing. And they spew all this nonsense all the time. Oh, yeah. And like they, they're fine though. Oh, oh, it's religion. It's religion. I, I said COVID wasn't real. I said I can cure cancer by blowing on their forehead. I'm not saying this isn't true. And I love religion. And people who right? listen to my podcast Those know that. But for me, how do they get a pass? But a musical artist releases a, a, a maybe a racy music video that expresses himself being um, a homosexual or a, a different type of sexuality that doesn't filter through the norms that society wants them to be, but then obviously interprets it in a way that is very, very, it grabs your attention. And that's why I thought it was such a beautiful thing. And I was like, yo, this is so dope. And the fact that it's upsetting people, that's kind of the point, but like it, there's an underlying message behind it. So my thing is like, so those other people get a complete pass, but now because this guy, people listen to him for entertainment, you want to censor it. Like there's so many double standards that get me so fired up about it yeah i that music video when that came out like i knew it was going to be like controversy and just like just like a like a huge hot take but the thing that kind of sent me off the wall a little uh, like like a little bit was that everyone was like saying like Lil Nas X is he's like he's an artist for kids he was on Roblox he did that cowboy (laughs) that cowboy song and I'm like um have you guys listened to the lyrics he's singing about adultery in the Billy Ray Cyrus song and like he's he's talking about like being like free and open with himself it's like you obviously aren't like like listening to anything. I love that you bring that up because that's the way that society do things nowadays that I've realized. They pick a narrative that they want and then they go find evidence, quote unquote, and I, I say evidence very loosely to back up their claims. Like I could sit here right now and I'm, I'm trying to think of the most universally, like Mr. Rogers is the most wholesome person in our world, right? Mm-hmm. I can sit here and try to make a claim that he in his show there is actually undertones of satanism or something and i can go back and start spewing all this stuff to try to fit my nerves so that's when that little nuts thing came out. i was like oh he like children listen to him blah 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 nah dude like just because you interpreted it that way doesn't make that true because obviously just because they do listen to it doesn't mean he was making it for that audience does that make sense right or maybe he was, and he's just like marketing, just re- like really well. Like he knows that Roblox is like super popular, like like game that everyone pretty much plays. Like a lot of kids play it, but everyone knows of Roblox. Like I bought sh- stock in in Roblox. Like so, he's just marketing like in a really good way. I I just love Lil Nas X. I think he's like the way he's treating like this whole like Satanism stuff. I love that he's just treating it like a troll, and he's just posting like everyone's reactions and just. I, I, I don't know. He, he's just so great. I, I love yeah. him. He's just like, he doesn't take life too seriously. And I feel like that's what everyone at just like, let's all relax. Like nothing should 
make you so upset (laughs) to the point where you're like crying over it because of what other people are like i don't care enough about what you guys think of me or what you guys think of so you could be like yo tommy chicken nuggets are absolutely disgusting and i'm not just gonna sit here being absolutely devastated to the point where i'm like i can't go (laughs) on i cannot i cannot go on anymore (laughs) dude five piece mcnuggets at mcdonald's (laughs) i'm done i'm out of here <laughs> so, most what, affordable snacks of all time. What do you? But what do you classify as nuggets, though? Like, do you boneless wings? Are those nuggets? Or are you talking about like the nuggets, like McDonald's or Burger King? Yes, the last ladder for me. The, okay, but aren't those wings chicken are nuggets are dope, wings. though. Even like Dino Nuggets, those are also dope. Yeah, I love Dino Nuggets. Those are those are classic. I had those. That, that brings me back. Thank you for bringing that up, Tommy. I honestly think the perfect classification of what's a boneless wing, quote unquote, and what's a chicken nugget. If, if my, like whatever piece of meat that is in front, like I'm a vegetarian now, but like I could still try to classify it as in like a chicken nugget is exactly, it's like an ambiguous piece of chicken that's mashed into like whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But like if my chicken nugget, quote unquote, is like white meat and has a texture of actual good chicken. I'm like, oh, then that's a boneless wing because that's like an actual real cut of meat kind of thing. And not saying chicken nuggets aren't, but I think you guys know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, you're not talking about that trash they served you at like like school lunches. They- <laughs> exactly. That, that is not like a boneless wing. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> yeah, they did like my school. Well, I don't know about your school. Like maybe they stopped at Wingstop. And served like the entire school like boneless wings, but you never know. But my school had like the the frozen chicken nuggets and the square pizza. Like, what was up with the square pizza? <laughs> Pizzas were always square. That's how they were invented. Really? And they turned in circle. Yeah. This is right. If if are you if are you just I, really high, Cameron? <laughs> uh, well, I mean. That doesn't mean I'm wrong. Okay. <laughs> no, I think what you're saying makes sense, though, right? Like, pizza mm-hmm. is essentially, like, I was like, look, looking at it, though. Isn't pizza essentially just like a really, like, it's just a flatbread? Yeah. Except yeah. you just have tomato sauce on it. So, like, in every flatbread I've had is a big square. And, the, but, like, when I order a flatbread, I get it. And I'm like, yo, this is just pizza. And I just look down <laughs> right? at it. And then, so I'm like, what, what is this? Why do we, but pizza's like, a flatbread on like steroids because it's so much breadier and we'll has a lot up, more grease and topping. See what pizzas looked like when they were invented. I bet you they were square. I bet you. Yeah, I I, I would one hundred percent have to agree with that. I would have to agree with it now. It's just be- I think it's because it was just easier to cut too. Because if you think about it, like cutting it into triangles, it's like perfect perfect little triangles. It's like a lot more effort than to just like go straight down the middle, like mm-hmm. or straight down the, like the side. Well, I think the reason school lunches it is because they just had a really, really big, like, you know, those like cookie pans. And then they're yeah. like, all right, here's all of our frozen pizza. And we have to fit as many of these on here. So then we could just throw in a microwave or oven for all these kids to see. Because it obviously wasn't like the highest class pizza. So they probably had to buy a bunch in bulk. So they're like, all right, let's get all these little square things. We could fit about like 800 of these pizzas in here. Whereas if they had to get the like the circle ones and then cut each individual. Oh, no way. No way elementary schools were doing that. Right. They would do it sometimes. I think my school did it like once for like people that like donated like a dollar to like, I don't know. <laughs> then, they would actually, then they would go to Little Caesars and buy the cheapest yeah. pizza there and then give it to you and be like, all right, here's your circle pizza. <laughs> they did the hot and ready. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like here, here are the triangles you guys wanted because you guys didn't want the squares. So here's right. the upgrade. Yeah. You passed geometry. So now you can get the triangle. You get the <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I don't know. 
It's kind of. I don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just don't know. Sometimes I know, but, you know. What <laughs> <laughs> was that camera? <laughs> but, yeah. Tommy, what is the uh, last song you learned on ukulele? Yep. No, it was uh, it was the uh, thrift shop because I don't oh, know right. why I was I was just listening to music on shuffle and then that song randomly came up and I was like, oh, yo, I know this song. Let me play. It. And then I looked at it, I was like, yo, this song came out like 10 years ago. What? <laughs> right. Tommy just and made then, me feel really old right now. Exactly. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm not, I didn't think that thrift shop was a new song, but I was like, oh, yeah, this came out within like the last five years or whatever. And then I looked, I was like, yo, this came out like 10 years ago. Oh, my God. So this is like an old song. So then when I was looking up how to play it, I was like, oh, this is crazy because I don't know when that song came out because it was about like about being super frugal and stuff that speaks to me on a spiritual level. Cause I'm like the cheapest person I know. And so when this song came out and he was glorifying how cool it is to be cheap, I was like, yo, this guy knows me. <laughs> when that song came out, I, I like, I was, I was just like you, Tommy, I, I shopped at thrift stores like mm-hmm. way before that song came out. I remember when that song just, it started trending. That's when people are like, yeah, I'm going to go to the thrift stores and be like, just like Macklemore. And it was like really common for people to like go to, th- thrift stores and like get like flannel t-shirts like everyone became yeah. at that point it's like so dang i remember when i was doing this before it was cool <laughs> it, it has a double-edged sword because like i was really pumped that other people were thrifting because like i i could tell at that point when that because just like you i was definitely thrifting and going to like all these different type of uh consignment stores and stuff like that to you know it, you never know what you're gonna find so it's a lot of fun so when this song came out though there's like a huge uptick in like the quality of things i was able to find because i feel like people are like donating nicer things so when you go shopping for things like that like they're kind of cool but at the same time there's so many more people now that were also now thrifting and stuff and i feel like if you look at that generation of like 10 years ago to now there's i feel like there's a reason why vintage stuff is in and stuff because it's what people are finding through thrifting and it has a very specific aesthetic if you will and i feel like this song kind of caused like a huge uptick in that and so i love it personally (laughs) because i'm like yo say what you will about the song but like the impact it had on society leading up to now it's it's pretty cool so it, it just makes me happy Right. It makes me happy, too, because it like encourage people like to recycle and reuse products that like it doesn't hurt that it was super catchy. (laughs) Yeah, true. Just reuse products that some people would have just thrown away. But because we have such like the fact that we have like a track, like an island, like just named Trash Island is really discouraging (laughs) to me. So the fact that people were to like find something that someone else thought was trash and just kind of like and just. And just wear it like for longer. It just makes me happy because it's like we don't need any more waste in the, in, the, in this world. So, but yeah, it it just makes me happy that people are able to find like treasure in someone else's trash. So, it's very metaphorical yeah. too. So. I just really think it's cool how big like like pop culture has such a huge influence on everything. Like thrifting before this song came out really it's not that it was frowned upon or anything but like people are like oh are you just wearing hand-me-down stuff or buy and i'd be pumped like nah dude like i legit found this at goodwill like this this is awesome or community and they're like are you shopping there like dude it's like it's like two bucks for a shirt man like you can't go wrong and if you go on wednesdays on green tag day it's even better like i know all the specials and 
not just the perception on that, but then now pop culture, it's cool to be like nerdy and stuff like like comic books and stuff is now kind of cool. And Dungeons and Dragons, like everyone's playing it now. That's kind of cool now. So it just it just makes me feel so happy inside when I feel like everyone is more comfortable in their skin. So people aren't like faking it. So it puts a big smile on my face when people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, I do that. And then like they're not being picked on about it. Yeah, I always say like when I was in high school, I, I remember I was the only outcast in high school. Now everyone's an outcast, which is kind of funny, which I guess doesn't really make anyone an outcast. But but yeah, it does make me happy. Like that nerd culture is very, very much accepted, like in society. And um, the, the, I'm seeing like like comic book movies that I never thought like would be like WandaVision, for example, like I highly doubt. Like that would be existing, like when I was oh, like, absolutely. growing up in high school. No way. <laughs> yeah, it's just like the we get like a freaking Vision and Scarlet Witch, like like eight episode series. Like I think that's just I think that's just so great that Disney's willing to take a risk on that because everyone loves Marvel. So. But yeah. yeah, and I think that's why it's so cool because a lot of people like to asphyxiate, kind of like you said, like even the fact that we have a trash island and stuff, like people like to focus on the negative things. So that's why like I try to avoid the news because like the news, if it's like a one hour segment is like 58 minutes of just the worst news imaginable. And then the last two minutes are like, oh, but then this dog got adopted at the end of the day. Now everything's better. I'm like, yo, what? You're like making me feel terrible forever. And now you like this one like why can't there be more feel-good stories so a lot of the times when people view pop culture they view it in such a negative light but then you see things like this where it kind of you know nudges it in the right direction but we're just not looking at it we're just kind of accepting it happening and then they just look at oh but look what Lil Nas did oh you know Britney Spears went crazy and now she's in blah 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 but look what happened when you know Miley Cyrus blah 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 and I'm like yo like everything you say ends up being a meme anyway but like, look at like some of the more positive things that have happened, like the LGBTQ us, uh, like they're viewed so positively in the pop culture society. And I feel like people are so much more accepting of that, mostly because of how they're also perceived. And so that's why there's just so many different things that kind of go well, but we don't look at it. And I, one of the biggest things, is definitely nerd culture, like coming up and coming. like it's almost uncool not to be a nerd now. Mm hmm. Right. It's really a good time to be a nerd, like no more getting tossed in trash cans. And well, actually, I like that you uh, you said that because uh, thanks. For, thanks for being on this podcast, nerd. Freaking nerd. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'm not going to say you stole that from me, but that is definitely stolen from. Me. I, I can't trademark that term, but I did no. tell Marley, like one of my favorite, quote unquote, not insults, because I'm I don't like like I'm a pretty chill person. And I never really get in a fight with anyone. But if anyone like says like, oh, dude, you're actually like the worst and blah, blah, blah. My go to thing is always calling them a nerd only because it's not actually like demeaning or anything. And the fact but when you say it, it sounds it's just so satisfying. So I'm like, dude, you're just being such a nerd right now. You freaking nerd. And they're like, wait, what? You just call me a nerd? I'm like, yeah, you're freaking nerds. Like that. So I don't care. I'm like, I, I know you don't care, but it's more for me, <laughs> right? I, I didn't. I didn't steal it. I'm starting the trend. I'm helping you start the trend. So yeah, I'll yeah, yeah. You're you're helping the wave come, and I, I you've been awesome with it. And I I say it all the time. And so you know, the more it catches on, yeah. just call people nerds. It's awesome. So nerd. We're approaching like the hour mark. Do you want to just like promote your links or like say it to people? that are listening to this, whoever's listening to this, like what you do. Yeah. Once again, um, I'll probably just be able to send the 
legendary Marley some links, probably just the link tree where you guys could check out all the little things that I've been doing. But like I said, I'm not that interesting, really. I'm just kind of floating around the podcasting world right now, just trying to make more and more connections and friends. And that's actually how I ran into uh, great people like Cameron now, uh, you, Marley, of course. And I know you through Sammy from that one uh, community he has on Discord. But no, overall, like I said, I'm kind of taking a little bit of a sabbatical from season two. I'm hoping to get better um, questions and episodes lined up to kind of, you know, continue the momentum I have from season one. But for the most part, if it comes to promoting, honestly, you know, just love yourself, peeps. That's what it's all about. I'm really into mindfulness. And so I'm hoping that everyone and kind of what you kind of said, uh, Marley, that was beautiful. It's like, everyone's got to kind of stop taking things so seriously. Just kind of relax a little bit. Right. Just need a vibe. Chill out. Exactly. Just vibe. Listen to the water cooler podcast and just vibe. Oh my God. Tommy, Tommy, you're too kind. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, uh, I don't really have anything else. Just you, Tommy, you hit right on the head. Everyone just needs to chill. I do have to say like, get vaccinated. Everyone get vaccinated. Oh, yo. oh I know Cameron yeah. shared that news. I also got vaccinated. Yeah. Uh, oh, nice. this past week too, Cameron. So whoop, whoop. I didn't get uh, the Moderna. I got the Pfizer. So I do have to go back for number two as well. But unfortunately it stinks that you kind of, uh, faced some like symptoms and stuff from the first one. I, I was lucky. I didn't feel anything at all. So whenever I go in for the second one, I heard that one hits a little bit more than the first one does. So I'm kind of anticipating for that. But also whenever you go back, Cameron, well, one, thank you for being awesome and responsible, but two, I hope it doesn't kick your butt. <laughs> thank you. Same to you. Right. I had the Johnson and Johnson one, which kind of was a little bit worrisome that like as soon as I got it, like they basically paused it. So I'm kind of glad that I got it. But also I'm like, I'm still I'm doing fine, but like it's still like a vaccine. There's nothing. But yeah, I just encourage everyone to get it. So but anyways, Tommy, thank you for coming on. Cameron, Mm. you got anything? Any last words? I don't know. I'm going to make some banana bread. Ooh, no, I, that sounds like a plan. made banana bread before. Right. It's pretty dope. It's delicious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very delicious. Just like Tommy's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I don't know. <laughs> it's but just yeah. so delectable. Right. But yeah, that's been the water cooler. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you, Cameron. I'll, we'll see you soon. See ya. See ya. Adios. doing that do you want me to just send it to uh like an email or something like that yeah i'll send you my email real quick we're just doing like a bonus just so we can hear cam and sh- just so you can hear cam and shred yeah i want to hear cam and shred it's gonna be amazing oh wait hold on cameron how long have you been playing uh i've been playing for about six years i think oh this is gonna be amazing like the year after I graduated high school, so 2014. That's so it's that's been about seven years now. Actually, just uh, went to a music festival and uh, came back and started learning guitar. Really, it was because my mom wanted me to get out of the house and stop playing so many <laughs> goddamn video games all day, you know. And I was listening to a shit ton of Hendrix. That's awesome, dude. So it's it. it so I pretty much just like my musicianship comes from like a little blues training blues rock oh that's amazing there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of other things in there 
that I like to take from, but you know, blues, funk, rock is where it's at. Yeah. I mean, blues lays the fundamental a mm-hmm. lot for it kind of influences a lot of other things. So if you could get that down to almost like a fundamental, you could pretty much play anything. Yep. Yep. True that. So I just work on a lot like a lot of uh E minor stuff. Ooh. And like do I like I love this sound. Mm-hmm. So you so you hit uh just two E's and like a double stop. The trill. The sound right here blows me away sometimes. Yo, imagine being this talented. why i was scared to play the guitar or try to learn when i was self-teaching everything is like whenever you play the guitar right there's like for me at least there's going to be like a nine in ten chance that someone in the crowd or someone i'm playing the guitar in front of plays the guitar better than i do because there's so many reference points every but time if i play the ukulele like they don't have a reference point they're like oh like he's really good at the ukulele but i'm like i'm really not but like they don't know that because they don't know what a ukulele is supposed to sound like so like dude that's amazing one thing i was hoping you were gonna do cameron is as you were shredding just kind of stop in the middle of me like all right well anyway here's wonderwall <laughs> no. uh, uh, tommy i'm really mean. glad you're on you're on this ep- episode just because I've been trying to get Cameron to play his guitar during during the podcast. Yo, he's for- just the flares that he's able to kind of incorporate and just how smooth all his transitions are. That's when like that's why I say with the ukulele or me playing the ukulele, that's like I'm not a musician. Like I'm like what Cameron sure is are. able to do sure with the are. guitar and what I'm able to like we're not it's like i don't even make music he makes music i make comedy parody fun little things but he he plays music and maybe that's not a fair way to view it. but when i hear like someone of like the technical skills of you cameron i'm just like yo i'm just blown away i'm like that's like it's so nice you're just in a different stage of musician i think it's also the mindset because i know that i won't be able to get to that level unfortunately just because i feel like i don't have the discipline uh, and nor the drive and stuff like that. So that's why I admire like the musicians like Cameron. I'm just like, dang, that's you know, just so impressive. You uh, you guys did kind of reach to it earlier. It's really one goal at a time. So like with this trill thing, you know, I would just spend days doing this. And this is this would be the only thing I would do. I would sometimes just see how long I could go without stopping and try to pick it up try to go faster than you know uh or uh do some sort of progressive tempo with it and then you know sooner or later i just get it down and and playing that sort of trill is just natural and it's pretty much the same thing with almost every element with uh, the double stops you know 
um, doing some of the hammer-ons, the pull-offs, and understanding your scales one step at a time, expanding your scales, you know, understanding the fretboard. It's all one step at a time, which takes weeks. Yeah, and that's the one thing I learned about the ukulele when I'm trying to learn like a new facet or like a new strum pattern because like with the ukulele, because it's such a simple instrument, I like to try to add percussions and that's just like you're chucking the chords and stuff like that. And so when I'm trying to learn like a new percussive chuck to kind of give uh, like a chord pattern or something a little bit different because you're very limited on the amount of chords that you can actually play on a ukulele. So like almost every song I play, it only uses the same, what, like 20 chords. Um, And like, I don't really need to learn the more complex chords because A, there's almost never going to be a situation where I need to actually play that. And B, there's probably a sim- simpler rendition that I could teach myself on how to get that done. Mm-hmm. And so that's why whenever I play songs, like uh, th- there's probably maybe a major of like eight chords that I kind of rotate. And that's kind of the staple of almost every single quote unquote pop song that's out there. So with the ukulele, the biggest differential factor is you just have to strum it differently, like a reggae style or blah, blah, blah style. And that's what starts to make the song sound like the actual song rather than just playing the chords. And kind of like what you said, anytime I would teach myself a new strum pattern, I would literally uh, mute mute my uh, string so it just sounds like this kind of thing. Pick, and then just literally sit there and just go at it for days so it's muscle memory. So I'm not thinking about it anymore. So then when I'm ready for the next step, I already know the step previously because it's muscle memory. So now I'm actively teaching myself like another step while mm-hmm. you know I'm obviously do you, doing the other one. Do you finger pick? Yeah, and that's I feel like that's when I made the big transition with the ukuleles when I started to add in finger picking songs or adding solos into songs and random stuff like that. Because now it's kind of the mindset, like Marley was saying, like I'm a different stage of musicianship. He's absolutely correct because my end goal was never to be like, oh, let me play jazz or blues licks and be able to improv, blah, blah. I'm just like, nah. I just want to be good enough so when I'm just with like a group of friends and they want to be entertained, I could just whip out a ukulele. Because you, you guys know I have a ukulele within, you know, 10 feet yeah. of me at all times. Right. And so whenever there's a lull, I'm like, oh, here, let me cheer you guys up and play some songs. And then, but not just playing a comedic setting, but I'll feel confident enough to be like, oh, I think I am good enough where I, it's not just the meme, but you're like, oh, damn, that actually sounded good. But can it was you, actually really funny. Can you do anything bluesy? Get a jam going? Uh, I don't think I can like I know how to play like blues like, like a one four five chord progression. progressions and stuff like that in the finger pricking. But once again, when it comes to like the technical styles, that's where I start to lack. I'm well, more of the rhythm like off. a performer kind of thing, not like an actual musician. So that's actually oh. that's a perfect way to differentiate it, Marley. I'm not a musician. I'm more of a performer. Like I, I know set lists that I always have to play. I know like how to do certain things, but then when it comes to the pure essence of being a musician, like, like what you were just saying, Cameron, like, do you know the one, two, three licks of the blues? These are the bass. And then you hold this chord, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I know of it, obviously, but do I know how to do it? Oh no, absolutely not. Because I, I feel like I will never need to know because I'm not, I'll, that's not what I'm doing. The ukulele, or if I ever get a guitar, what I'll be doing the guitar for kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel so out of the loop. I remember I bought a guitar about five years ago and I was and like, you have I the was legendary told- Cameron with you. And then he <sighs> could just be teaching it and you're just not doing that. What are you doing, man? <laughs> teaching Cameron, I never whole, asked you. Dude, I no, never, no. Teaching is a whole another thing. I'll probably turn it down because I've tried it. I've been there and it's one thing to be a good guitar player. It's a whole nother thing to be a good teacher. 
Mm-hmm. And you I know. think that's what works well for me because I teach ukulele. But because I am, I know I'm not that strong of a musician. So you're like, wait, how can you teach people how to play if you like aren't that good yourself? Which is very, very valid if they have that kind of preconception. But like I said, I'm more of a performer. So I get to connect with people. And I feel like that's something I do well, at least in person. And like, like I said, I when I'm teaching someone I don't think you're giving play, yourself enough credit, though. I think you can. I think you are a musician. You just are a performing musician you understand chords you understand like putting together multiple notes and just repeating them over playing a chord Mm -hmm. right so like like a blues progression maybe e minor a minor and and a b7 just use those three chords and make a and make a like a a little rhythm out it you know so you just add like different kind of uh, like a strum pattern you said right so you got that e minor you said yeah, or, and then an A really, minor, and then did you say it's B7? all on the right hand? It's all on the right Ooh. hand. You know, getting the left hand or however handed you are, you know, getting the fretboard hand down isn't as important as the rhythm hand. Yeah, the rhythm hand is that's where it gets the most. That's crucial. For me. It's nice to be fancy and know the cool stuff on the left hand, but the right hand does the magic and ultimately has all the feeling in it. Yeah, that's and really- that's actually one thing I didn't know. Sorry, Marlo, what were you saying? <laughs> No, th- well, that's interesting just because that's why it took me, that's why I never wanted, like when I got the guitar, I it took me f- so long to pick it up just because I was so intimidated by it. Because like, as a kid, I couldn't do the whole pat my head, rub my, uh, rub my stomach, mm-hmm. like at the same time. But now Cameron hearing you say that, like it makes me want to like get a, like another guitar and just like, and, and, and just try it. Cause I, so it's really simple and it's so rewarding takes time though but yeah i mean the left hand could just be you know three chord it could just be two chords i mean a lot of santana jam sessions are just an an a minor and a d minor do you know those chords the, oh wait Not what are the chords again um, sorry Tommy, a minor yeah d minor d minor so the a minor is the one is the root that's the home that's where everything comes back to and then the the d minor is the four chord right and then and you go up to the e minor that's the five chord and then back to the four chord back to the one so the five and the four as you as you as it relates to the one which is the a minor and this is a natural number system it's not like the first fret of course if marley wants to keep up a little bit when i say one when i say four and five i mean how it relates to one so the the d is four steps away from one and mm-hmm. a to d you know um the four and the five sonically or the five as it is sound sonically it relates most to the one like it sounds most like the one out of any chord any other chord there is that's why when you hit the five chord, you just want to hear that one. So it's called the turnaround chord. So you, you'll you'll spend like a couple bars just playing the A minor to D minor. And you'll just go back between those two chords, right? Until when you get around to like the eighth bar, you'll hit the... And you just turn it back around, you know, like a circle. I think another reason why I don't pursue too many 
like uh, technical links is because the ukulele with it itself is a very shallow instrument. It doesn't sound as full. I have the tenor ukulele actually, cause I actually mm. used to play at a concert and I actually went to upgrade to the tenor size because I was actually able to resonate a warmer tone to almost give a little bit more of the fullness. But because of the, um, I guess the tone that a ukulele is already in whenever I just ring it out anyway, it's not as full as a guitar. So even if I were to be able to do blues licks and be able right. to not improv, but just be able to go back to the one, like you said, it will still sound good, but no one well, is going to ask me to be able to do that. So very similar to you, I think what I did with my friends is it, it was actually exactly what you're saying, but I feel like because we're just not technical uh, artists like you are, we would just be like, all right, here are the chord progression that we're going to mess around with and let's just jam with it. And then we'll just, go back and forth with those three or four different chords, compose it in different ways, do it in different orders and put different strum patterns in it. And that's kind of how we essentially come up with however we would perform a piece, if that makes sense. So that's actually really, really cool that it's almost exactly what you're saying, but we're just too dumb to explain it like you do. And we're like, because everyone uh, that I've played with to. mostly and myself included is just self-taught. So it's just really cool to hear someone that actually is knowledgeable about music to kind of be able to explain it in a much more technical level. I've had a lot of teachers, fortunately. So I've, I have the privilege awesome. of being able to repeat certain lectures, you know, like the one oh, being too teacher. humble. You said you're a bad teacher, but you're crushing it. Uh, thank you. Appreciate it. Anyways, let's, let's try it. Let's just pull together two chords and a little rhythm you know and i bet you we get a jam going if anything i have a ukulele maybe you could teach me a couple chords on it i haven't, oh. played, I haven't played it oh in that's a what minute. we can do we'll, do, we'll just we'll just i used to dive uh, out. i used to i used to be able to play scar tissue and other side on it i was trying to learn some chili pepper songs on the ukulele and it got really fun i anyway. think the first finger picking i've learned on the ukulele was actually the uh the intro riff of sweet child of mine because i was like ah what is like the furthest away thing I could think besides like Metallica and stuff like that? Because obviously I can't do that. I was like, oh, I know Sweet Child of Mine. I know that opening riff sounds hard, but I know it's actually not that hard. So then when I figured out how to play on the ukulele, I was like, oh, this is this is dope. <laughs> so uh, being someone that like I don't play like in, any instruments at all, but I really want to. What is that feeling like? Like when you play like a song that you that that you that you hear like all the time and then you play it on your ukulele or your guitar and you finally get it down it's pretty damn oh, good yeah i want to show it off to literally everyone like like i just good. said i just learned thrift shop and so i always have, have lyrics in, in my arsenal. head and i'm trying to yeah. figure out a better chord progression then whenever i actually got to a point where i was like this is it i i did it i taught myself it's like what well, cameron it's like the best feeling ever and you know i i think what really resonates with me it's not just so much the actual ability of being able to play it it's the feeling that i discover when i learn the song because it's one thing to be in the process of learning the song but once you have it down and are able to repeat it over and over again then you really capture the essence then you can actually have a relationship with the energy you know what i mean that sounds kind of wild but like it's so true because you understand the vibe and now you're connecting with the artist in, in a certain way via via the song yeah like, and that's why i love yeah. the covers because you could put your own personality into exactly. it as well mm -hmm. and so that's why whenever i learn a new song that's why i want to make like i need to make this like a tommy song like how would like i just vibe and i just want to chill so even if it's like not the most intense song 
Like I, I actually did another rendition of Sexy and I Know It. And obviously that's not a ukulele song. But when I, not mastered it, but when I figured out how I made it my own cover, I was so hyped. I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. But like what Cameron's saying, for me, it's not just being more connected to it, but I feel like as, not as a musician, but I'm like playing the ukulele, this skill, I, I could see myself continuing to improve and pushing myself to songs I felt like I would be like, like Daft Punk's Get Lucky. I'd be like, yeah, you can't play that on a ukulele. And then once I figure out, I'm like, oh my oh, God. sure like, you can. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it like sure. opened my brain up to the point, be like, yo, like don't limit Anything. yourself. And then when yeah. you learn these songs, I feel like it's like in a video game, right? I'm, I'm progressing in this skill. And I'm like, this so, is so cool. Honestly, and one of the, one of the best ways to learn music especially as a beginner if you don't know theory is learning songs you know you mentioned that about uh guitar smith i'm sure it was fun after a while you know but really it's kind of a, a good tool to learn songs because it helps it puts things in your arsenal you know not only just you know pulling it out during a performance and be able to play a song but now you have an understanding of certain chords in that song too right mm-hmm. so um Tommy, I want to do an, I want to try an experiment. Um, you started playing uh, thrift shop, right? Yeah. You got it down. Oh yeah. Play play a little bit for me. Like, how many chords are there? How many? Uh, there are only like three chords. There's four. There's four. No, there's five. There's five. I lied. And what do you play it in? Do you know? See, even when you ask that question, that's <laughs> that's how little chord? of a musician What's I am. What's the first chord? And it's a minor chord, right? I'm looking at ultimate some ultimate tabs and it says it's right, an e minor, i, I actually have to look it up because i don't know if you I, play an e minor or not though no because i have to, i transpose it down to whatever vocal range that i'm in so it's actually transposed oh, wait, down and the first chord is a g flat minor so okay. the chord progression i use is a g flat minor a b d flat e um play it play it like like play the first two chords there's a G flat and what was I mean, the other yeah, chord? Yeah, so chord? no, yeah, G flat minor. So I, I, the way I play it from the way I cover it in my uh, rendition would be like this. And then the end is a one of this. So it's like a half beat between the D flat to E. So it's almost, so it's five chords, but the, the D flat and the E are kind of smushed together. Um, Shit, I mean, I, I was gonna sound good. I, w- I was gonna try to experiment and just say take take like the first two chords and just flow with the first two chords. Try that. And then like bounce back. Could you go forth. back? Yeah. Could, could you? That? Could you? I mean, what's the? I don't know. Um. Yeah. Could you do that? Try it. What does it just sound like? Just bounce back between G yeah. G flat minor and A. Yeah. I feel like the G flat minor and A are way too close together or like too similar of a chord. Well, well, at least on the ukulele it is. I'm not sure if it, it's very similar on the guitar. Does it all, sound well, very similar on a guitar? No, it's all the same. Okay, yeah. So I, uh, the G flat minor and A are almost the same exact chord for me. So I feel like maybe that's why it might not bounce back and forth well. I can I, I can hear it. Well, oh, okay. so um, just try it. Try it for a minute, because because I think it's it's either a one to a two. 
or a one, one two, two, a two. Yeah. And in this exercise, do you keep the same strum pattern? Do you change? Um, you- well, you know, get it sounding together in a, in a, in a rhythmic circle. Um, and if it sounds good for you, you know, you know, just like, yeah, right. I could hit that same. Try it. exercise can you like change the amount of measures you spend in between each chord or do you just keep that consistency honestly this is this is it's like a song a songwriting uh exercise for me oh yeah that's what i do too except i do it the dumb way i call it the guess and check way (laughs) (laughs) i do it where i find a chord that is in my vocal range and then I just place like I, I like I'm sure for you like I'm like okay the first uh, chord I know I want this song to be will be a G flat minor and in your amazing smart brain you'll probably be like okay well that means these are the only other chords that live in that family that can flow together that's not how my brain works I'll be like all right oh yeah like that chord like I don't even know the names of some of the chords I obviously know what an A B D flat E but a G flat minor. I know what chord shape that is, and I know just this chord, but I have to look it up on what the name of it is because I'm re- I'm like really raw as a self-taught person. Like I knew all of the chords shapes before I knew the names because like when I was self-teaching, yeah, I was like I said, a freshman, sophomore in college, and this was at the point where I was on the computer all the time. And so when I went to go away from screens and just kind of meditate and just be myself, I would sit in a corner really and just play my ukulele. And the smart thing to do would be look up YouTube videos and stuff. I didn't do it that way. I was just like, Oh, that doesn't sound good. Oh, that sounds terrible. Oh, okay. That sounds, that sounds pretty dope. Oh, that sounds kind of dope too. And then, so I'd figure it out. And then later I would go on the internet and be like, okay, so these are the names. And then that's why when I would go on guitar Smith or, or not guitar Smith, sorry. Um, what is what is that one website everyone uses? Uh, Ultimate, Ultimate Guitar uh, Tabs yeah. or whatever. Ultimate Guitar, yeah. Whenever I would go on there to look up chords and I would look things up because they only have guitar chords. Now they added the ukulele site, but way back then they only had guitar chords essentially. And I'd be like, all right, so that's a B. Okay, I don't need. Okay, so B looks like that on a guitar, but what is it B on a ukulele? And I would try to figure that kind of stuff out. I think that's really cool that you're like. When you were first starting, you you just picked up the ukulele and just like just started messing with it. And I feel like that's like a perfect metaphor for like just learning anything. Just like mm-hmm. just just do it. Just like people always like want to know like how how do you get started like 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 doing anything? You just pick it up and do it, and your brain will will eventually like ca- uh, catch on to it. Like the brain is such a wonderful right like human organ it's like it's 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 so, crazy well and you guys will all be better than me with the ukulele because w- when i picked up the string instrument for the first time you you know how like there's the bridge and you know how like p- to play the chord you have to put your finger in between the fretboard with that and the bridge i thought you had to put your finger on that like little point that pokes up and not in between it so like oh, the that, yeah you know what I mean, right? The little bumps or whatever. Yeah, they're not they're not bridges. Uh, but I know what you're talking about the little. Metal. Yeah, like I would put my fingers right. on those because that's right. how I thought you would play right. a stringed instrument. And so I was just like, oh man, I, I, why does it sound like this? This sounds awful. And then isn't that the frets? 
Yeah, yeah. It it's, it's on the fretboard, but then right. you're supposed to put your fingers in between the little thingy mabobbies. The metal rods that make up the frets. Yeah, I touched the metal rods because I thought that's where you're supposed to put your finger, and then that's just like that's how little I knew how to play an instrument. Well, and so even now but, I haven't strayed you, far from it. But you learn that over like <laughs> because you're just like this doesn't sound good, and you're exactly. just like you just moved your hands, and it's just like that. That's 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 great. <laughs> now it's ringing out. Now it makes sense. <laughs> right. Um. For sake of a jam, do you just want to play the thrift shop chord progression, and I'll try to follow along? Oh yeah, let's go for it. Let's go sure. for it, and I'll, I'll I'll just strum, and then it'll be a vibe. So yeah, it's the. I'm not going to put the listeners through that. (laughs) (laughs) Give the people what they want, Marley. You know that's what they want. I think originally I was doing the reggae strum for this song, and it just didn't sound right. So I had to figure out what strum I wanted. So this is the one that I eventually decided that worked best when I would like sing it and play it. Three nerds in a podcast. Three nerds in a pod. Freaking nerd. All right. I think that was good. Stop. We can still vibe. I'm just.